Welcome back to the Live Fire Cooking Podcast. This is episode nine. We're excited to have you here. And we're gonna we have our normal suspects here today. We have Christy Vanover from Girls Can Grill, Derek Wolf from Over the Fire Cooking, and myself, Jonathan Miller, one of the owners here at Brio. So what we're gonna be doing today is diving into uh, kind of our normal format where we each talk with something we've cooked about cooked recently that we're excited about, but then we're gonna have this whole bonus section where we talk about turkey. So Derek is gonna really give us the Thanksgiving rundown on what uh, his plan is, his ideas, and then we're going to talk to Christy and myself and, and, and kind of just look at the look at the bird uh, in question and figure out the best strategy for this podcast will start, will drop on Friday before Thanksgiving. So if you listen to this, you should have enough time to prepare and apply some of these ideas for your big Thanksgiving turkey uh, bonanza. So we'll start with Derek. What's something you've cooked recently or something you've done recently that you are excited about? Yeah, man. Um, so recently, uh, I recently did um, a skirt steak chilaquiles. Um, Christy, I feel like you probably are familiar with this. Yeah, um, for sure. I made a, like a charred salsa verde um, and I fried up corn tortillas. Uh, this is all in the, the Lodge Cast Iron Cook It All, which also is a baller thing to have uh, to your arsenal. Um, so it's like a two piece. One is a, uh, one's a skillet with a grill, um, on top of it. And then another one is, uh, kind of like it creates a Dutch oven. It's almost like a wok. Um, go and check it out. But I was able to cook everything from it. And I, uh, I grilled skirt steak. Um, I did a, a charred, um, kind of salsa verde. Uh, and then, once the chips were fried, um, I added the salsa verde uh, over the top of the chips after I took the oil out and everything. I added it into uh, the salsa, um, the salsa in with the chips, and I kind of sauteed them a little bit until it uh, kind of penetrated into the chips. Um, and I made some eggs and I sliced up some skirt steak. I uh, even added it's kind of my new uh, favorite staple piece on steak uh, is my hatch chili rub with uh, salt and black pepper. Uh, grilled that up, sliced it, and then I topped it with some eggs, uh, the skirt steak, um, some cotilla cheese, uh, some radishes, a little bit of avocado, uh, lime juice, cilantro. Uh, yeah, man, it's like a honestly, it's like breakfast nachos, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's not to take away anything. Like it is such a unique flavor. So yeah, yeah, and there's you can do both a, a red and a green. So I um, I used green uh, as the salsa base. Um, wow, yeah, it was delicious. So it's ten fifty here in the morning, like eleven a.m. <laughs> I haven't eaten breakfast yet, and uh, now I'm regretting that because that just sounds very delicious. And now <laughs> that's all I'm thinking about. I love to, I mean, uh, Hispanic breakfast food, uh, at least probably yeah. more Americanized breakfast food is just, uh, it's really hard to beat for me. I mean, I just, I absolutely I like classic huevos rancheros or, um, you know, chilaquiles or whatever. I mean, it's just really hard to beat. So, well, and it pairs so well with fire cooking. Um, a really lot of those does. recipes are, are really paired great with, uh, with fire cooking. There's a lot of fast, you know, direct heat stuff. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Super easy. You can switch it out. The uh, you could do like picanha with it. Maybe you throw in um, a little South American twist. Maybe even doing. Uh, I've been recently testing out a new idea, um, which is a, a chimmy verde. Um, yeah. So chimichurri. What's that? It, it's it's chimichurri and salsa verde kind of blended into one. It's the best of both. 
Um, so it's a lot of the classic, pretty much all the classics of chimichurri, but I'll add in um, charred serranos and charred tomatillos uh, and uh, just a few other things like an onion. And then I'll, I'll um, like dice it really fine. Uh, and man, it's, it's delicious. I've been um, topping that on steak and breakfast stuff for weeks now. So with that combination, is that in the context of a breakfast or not necessarily? Like would you, you wouldn't necessarily, that wouldn't Honestly, I think it's like, for me, I love the tanginess and the, um, yeah, just the tanginess and the citrusiness of uh, Chili Verde. Uh, I just really love that flavor. I love tomatillos. Uh, Even adding in a little bit of hatch is delicious in there. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I love that aspect. And then I really love kind of that um, vinegary herbalness that comes with uh, chimmy. And so when you kind of combine those together, you're getting like a tangy citrus, little bit of herbal, a little bit of vinegar flavor. Um, And it works really well. It works really well. Sweet. Awesome. Um, Thank you very much for that, Derek. Christy, you've been traveling, I believe, a good bit. Can you tell us a a little bit about what you've been up to? I have. I have not been grilling, but I have been eating really, really well. I got the chance to go to New Orleans um, this past weekend. It was for the Smoking with Smithfield National Barbecue Championships. And it's something that's never been done before in the barbecue world. Um, We have lots of world championships that happen. Um, There's kind of the big four competitions um, throughout the year that are mostly invitationals. Um, But this one was different. This one was like a playoff style that ended up in a bracket style. So it's kind of like NASCAR. There was a points chase. And in the end, the top 20 four teams got invited to be at this national championships. Then from there, it was the first barbecue triple header in the world where you cook three competitions, full four meat competitions, three days in a row. So the first day there were 24 teams. They got narrowed down to 12. The second day, those 12 teams cooked and they got narrowed down to six. And then the third day, the six teams cooked to um, get the title for the national championship. So it was really cool. It was really, um, it was a, it was a invitation only private event. So there was no, um, you know, there was no, uh, entertainment or, you know, a lot of people running around. It was just this really intimate experience to be able to see these world-class barbecue cooks, light their pits, do their thing, um, and turn in amazing, amazing meat. Um, I had the opportunity to taste some of it and it was, I mean, they definitely deserved their place there, um, to be at the national championship. So in the end, the smoke and six were Rio Valley meats, buckshot barbecue. That was the grand champion and reserve grand champion, um, along with, uh, Iowa smoky D's Cajun blaze, shake and bake and heavy smoke. So those were the top six teams. There was a little bit of controversy, um, that can't really go ignored. There was a little bit of, um, a scoring issue that happened. Um, and unfortunately they, they made the announcements before catching the scoring, um, issue. And then, but as soon as they caught it, they made things right. Um, they did a re-announcement of the awards, which was definitely heart wrenching for the person who originally thought they were the grand champion. But I got to tell you that that whole experience, um, it really, really made me reappreciate or appreciate more this whole barbecue community. Cause I mean, you, as you can imagine, after all that competition, you get named first place and then you find out that you're actually sixth place. It, it was heart wrenching. I mean, there were tears by big grown men and, um, but it was, there was just love. Nobody wanted to take a trophy that they didn't deserve. In the end, Smithfield really stepped up. They, the person who was originally awarded first place who got the $6,000 check was able to keep that $6,000 check and Smithfield issued another $6,000 check to the uh, actual winner. And then they made things 
was right and actually gave the other four teams additional money as well, just to kind of even things out. It was it was a hiccup that everybody regretted, but it was uh, again, it was just a really amazing opportunity. It was you know the first time you do something this big there there's, you know, mistakes happen. We're all humans, but there was a lot of forgiveness, a lot of generosity and a really a lot of integrity because it could have been easily brushed under the rug, but, um, the organizers and everybody stepped up great. So, um, you know, it had that little blemish on it, but other than that, really fantastic weekend. Um, also got to travel down to new Orleans, um, and experience bourbon street and all that, you know, have of course had my beignets from cafe du monde, got some uh, po' boys from parkway and, and just walked around the French quarter and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a really fun, fantastic weekend. Not, not really live fire cooking food, you know, being down in uh, bourbon street and stuff, but definitely, definitely can't complain about the food that I had and the, the fun times and people that I got to hang out with. Thanks, Chrissy. That's an awesome update. It's really fascinating for some of us that are not in some of those uh, inner circles to learn kind of what goes on all at the, some of these barbecue events. And uh, it sounds like the leadership there did a great job handling Definitely. that little hiccup and uh, sounds like yeah, it was a great sure. experience. So I appreciate you bringing, bringing us those perspectives from time to time. It's very interesting for, I think, for the rest of us. Um, so let's jump into our turkey segment. Derek, why don't you uh, kind of launch us into that with kind of what you're excited about for this time of year and this particular bird, and then we'll go wherever the conversation takes us. So I was kind of thinking this year, um, you know, there's kind of three ideas in my opinion. Uh, We can do something when it comes to turkey, something more classic. We could do kind of a a twist on a classic, uh, and then we could go all out unique. Uh, and so I guess I just wanted to talk to y'all about what that might look like. So, uh, Christy, I know that you are just a classic barbecuer uh, in a lot of that way. Plus, you love fire cooking. So um, how are you, if somebody was to ask you, like, what, what's just like a good, you know, simple, easy way to make a delicious smoked turkey um, for Thanksgiving? What, what would you say? Yeah. So that is a great question because that's, you know, everybody likes to start with the basics. So I usually like to do a dry brine. Well, let me take things back. I, I, first of all, on Monday is when I usually put my turkey from the freezer to the fridge. You want to give it that good amount of time to thaw. So you're not leaving it on the counter, keep everything in that food safe zone. So Monday, the turkey goes into the fridge. Um, usually Wednesday night is when I'm applying my rub. Um, you can just go with a simple, um, salt, pepper and poultry seasoning. If you'd like, um, I like herbs de Provence. Um, it's a French blend of herbs um, that, that just goes really well with poultry. Um, and actually one of, one of my favorite turkey rubs is on my website is an apple cider sea salt rub. So it's got some, some of those spices that you actually think about in a pumpkin pie a little bit mixed in there too, along with some That's apple cool. cider. So it's kind of more of a, a moist uh, rub. But I like to do a dry brine. You can do a wet brine too, you know, where you soak it in um, a mixture of water and salt overnight. But the dry brine is a little bit cleaner and easier and, you know, you don't don't have a big bowl of water somewhere, a bucket of water. So anyway, do the rub overnight. And then I usually light my pit um, Thursday, you know, going into Thanksgiving. I, you know, there's different ways to smoke a turkey from a temperature standpoint. Some people like to do it slower in that 250 range. I actually prefer to smoke my birds around 300 to 350 degrees um, because I like crispier skin and I like it to cook faster. Um, It still yields a really, really juicy bird. It still gets kissed with that smoke. It gives a beautiful golden color that you're looking for with your bird. So um, yeah, usually 300, 350 degrees. I do that indirect heat. I throw a couple of 
of chunks of wood um, on top of my charcoal. Usually I'll use pecan or apple. Um, And then I cook it to 165 degrees. And it usually only takes about three, three and a half hours for a 12 to uh, 14 pound bird. Wow. You know, that's always so interesting because I think the one thing I noticed about turkey uh, especially is that it really comes down to the beginning process, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that you get that brine. I mean, let, there are plenty of people out there and I hate to say, but I'm one of them, uh, that really, I'm not the biggest fan of Turkey. Uh, however, uh, while we were actually out in uh, Coeur d'Alene, we went to a barbecue restaurant and you were telling me that you, whenever you look at a barbecue restaurant for h- how good their flavor is, um, it really comes down to the turkey for you. Uh, That's and right. So we were eating that turkey out there in Coeur d'Alene and we were just blown away at how delicious it was. And so it kind of took me back at like, you know what, turkey is uh, even for uh, experienced, seasoned, really amazing um, barbecue pit masters uh, and open fire cooks, it's still a difficult thing to cook until you've just kind of mastered the whole beginning process to the cooking process to the ending process. Um just because at the end of the day, it's it's really easy to, you know, like beef has so much flavor, but turkey needs uh, a little bit of help. Uh, so I think that brining, um, the brining aspect, letting it dethaw, getting that uh, skin, um, you know, really crispy, uh, cooking at 350. I think that that's such a uh, perfect little tips. Uh, Jonathan, uh, I know that you are... Uh, kind of new a little bit to Thanksgiving. Um, however, what what are some uh, kind of unique ways that you're thinking about cooking a turkey this year? So I'm new to Thanksgiving because I'm- Yeah, I didn't want to say it out loud. What, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, we, we have it. We have Thanksgiving up there. It's in October and it's like, it's like, oh, cool. Like, great. It, it's, it's not, I, I moved down here and my wife's family like invited me for Thanksgiving, my then girlfriend. And I realized like, oh, y'all take it real serious down here. We need to Americanized Thanksgiving. We take it very, very seriously. Absolutely. And so then I've become, I've fallen in love with it since then. And I have some big plans for this week. But what I want to kind of bounce off of both of you guys is I heard this. I've never done this. I don't know if this is legit or not. It's kind of a crazy idea, but it's off the kind of branding concept. Maybe it's actually more mainstream than I think, but a friend of mine did it. It was either the last Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving before. Took a turkey and he boiled his brine. It was like totally boiling water. Put the turkey in a Yeti and then filled the Yeti with boiling water and closed it and left it for, it was like, I don't know, 12 hours, like a super long time. And that actually cooked it. And he just pulled it out and smoked it in his egg for like a very short period of time just to get a crisp up the skin and give it a little bit of smoke uh, color and flavor. And then it was done. So- huh. That sounds like salmonella <laughs> waiting to happen. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> unless, you, unless you put a sous vide machine in there. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Say, it, sounds, like, it sounds like sous vide, like a sous vide turkey. It, it does. It, it's basically, I guess that's really what it's kind of redneck sous vide. But the concept is interesting because if you think about how well like some of these modern coolers like a Yeti retains heat or, or you know temperature control – uh, if it's actually because you would never if you were souving a turkey, you would never boil it because that wouldn't be you'd be you'd be doing it at a lower temperature. Yeah. It wouldn't actually be boiling. Then you'd be a boiled turkey. So what you'd be doing is you'd be you'd probably having your, your water temperature somewhere in that, you know, 250, whatever range uh, or not even that high, maybe 200. Um, what's boiling temperature of water? Am I making a fool of myself here? 
there you go. Yes, that, that would be much uh, too high. So like when I'm sous vide, like I've never sued turkey. When I'm sous vide venison, that kind of thing, I'm doing like mm-hmm. 120, 135 in, in that range. But the coolie one, the boil concept is you could do this in a very like remote location sure. because you could boil a big thing of water. You have your Yeti there, dump it in. The question is like, have you guys ever heard of this? Is it safe to do or should we just not recommend our <laughs> podcast <laughs> listeners? You know, I would like say this. if you want to try it, um, stick a probe into the Yeti as well, into the water, you know, and then, um, you know, have the like a like a Thermalworks smoke or something to where you've got the probe in and then you can monitor the temp of that water. If it starts to drop to the 140 range, then you got to you got to pull the plug and yeah. throw it on something. But problem. yeah, I, I'm curious now. I want to go find a cheap turkey and give it a shot. <laughs> I, don't bad, I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea. Uh I'm I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of um, sous vide turkeys uh, or really sous vide in general, but I'll I mean I got a ton of friends that love doing sous vide, uh, and so I really think that um, it might be an interesting little twist on it. I know it definitely keeps the moisture level in, uh, so yeah. you know I well see the interesting thing I'd probably but- it's probably not something I would do, but. Um, you know, I think there are other really awesome ways to cook a turkey without <laughs> having to uh, to to put it in submerged uh, briny water um, and cook it over a period yeah. of time. But that's just me. Yeah. Well, the thing that would be different, like the difference between the sous vide style and this, uh, you know, Yeti brine style, is with the sous vide, you're, there, you have a barrier between yeah. the water and yeah. what you're cooking, so you aren't actually really you wouldn't really be brining it unless you had somehow injected that before you vacuum sealed it. Um, so the, the the concept with this Yeti that has me kind of intrigued is like, so back to the reverse marinade oh, yeah. concept uh, that Derek talked about early on. What if, like, what if this is actually the dark horse best way to cook a turkey? Like it's this, <laughs> it's this really fringe concept because not only are you, are you kind of going low and slow, but you're also reverse marinating while it cooks because those juices from the marinade, from the, uh, the brine are going to be finding their way deep into that turkey because it's sitting there at a, a very like cooking and brine. No, I, I mean, wonder I, what the salt level would be. Like, I feel like it might get too salty. I actually think going for that reverse marinade might be an interesting twist on the turkey too, but that, that might be interesting. Um, if, if you can control, okay, if so, you can maintain that skin, cause it's all about the skin. <laughs> yeah. And you could definitely, you know, that, that is the one hurdle you'd have to think about. Um, and you may not be able to really, uh, it, you may not be able to like submerge it in anything, but I think, uh, I don't know, may, maybe making like an herbal, uh, butter sauce or something that could go over mm-hmm. the top of it and then let it sit in the fridge for a little bit and then throw it back on the smoker to just heat it up right before you serve. Um, I mean, that's an idea, but that's also probably an extra three or four hours of work on top of a cook that has already taken you probably a couple of hours. So, yeah. Yeah, probably not the best uh, place to but start. Defi- I mean, the sure. two goals definitely, uh, though, are you want that juicy meat, especially that breast meat, because, you know, many a times growing up, we've all experienced going to different people's houses and occasionally getting that dry piece of breast. So if you're cooking it, you want to be the showstopper, you want the juicy meat. That definitely, you can solve that with your brines, whether it's a wet brine or a dry brine, 
injections, you know, that's another route people like to go. Um, it, you can inject it with a brine or with, you know, other types of stuff. There's, there's lots of pre-made stuff out there too. Um, but it's all comes down to that temperature as well. Pulling it at 165, not, not going over that. Um, yeah. And then that crispy skin, like I said, <laughs> and that's why I crank the heat, um, you know, up to 350 or even at the end, I'll even go a little bit higher to get crispy skin. But yeah, the, the, bo- the boiling in a Yeti is a, is a concept I want to try just for an experiment, but yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know what the taste would be like. (laughs) Well, um, I think for what I usually do uh, is I'll spatchcock it um, just because I really don't love the the cavity on a lot of poultry. Uh, It just takes forever. And um, I've gotten really into doing uh, like spatchcock. I I love adding my um, uh, chipotle garlic onto it. Uh, But really any I love adding um, like spicy flavor to chicken Mm -hmm. or uh, to turkey. Well, definitely to chicken, but definitely to turkey as well. Um, So kind of doing like a a dry brine on it and then um, uh, using like a Jamaican jerk uh, or some form of Asian. Uh, And then I've gotten into a habit of heating up honey right at the end and just glazing it as I smoke it um, just to get kind of that like first bite uh, is sweet and then you get hit with the spicy. Um, That sounds good. So that's that's what I do. That's kind of maybe in the middle, a little twist on traditional, uh, but not quite uh, boiling in a yeti. So, um, <laughs> and when you when you spatchcock, what what grill are you using? Are you going over live fire? Or are you going over um, charcoal in a smoker? Or um, so it really depends. I uh, honestly, every time I probably smoke the turkey. Um, so I like I really like using my drum smoker for it, um, and. But I am thinking about this year uh, doing something similar, um, but doing it on an open fire rotisserie. It'll add a couple of hours to the cook um, mm-hmm. and a little bit more work. Uh, but we're going to be out um, with our family out at the lake in East Tennessee. Um, and they have a really nice uh, like open fire pit that I'll bring out my, um, my big rotisserie. And I think we're going to be cooking uh, a couple of turkeys on there doing uh, one more classic, uh, kind of like an herbal you know, uh, flavor to it. And then one I'm probably going to do, uh, like a chipotle garlic honey, um, on top of, uh, and so we'll brine it and then we'll do the chipotle garlic honey and we'll rotisserie it. Um, definitely a lot more work. Uh, but I think that that's probably going to be the case and I still have yet to, but I really want to, um, do hanging Turkey, uh, and take out the, the backbone as well. So spatchcock it, because I think that would help in cooking it a lot faster. Yeah. Um, So I think that might be a little twist too. The sad thing is I don't necessarily, I I don't have experience doing that quite yet. So for anybody listening, that's wanting to do that, uh, do it and let me know what you think. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I definitely think taking out the backbone and then you'd have to tie it to keep it tight in some way. Um, mm-hmm. But you're definitely taking out a, a massive uh, amount of weight uh, that kind of holds the turkey from cooking as fast. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, one of the things that that happens when you grill or when you smoke a turkey is you like finding a way to collect the drippings because you got to make mm-hmm. good gravy. Yeah, um, 
So if you're using like a pellet cooker, which I know some people are, um, you can actually stick a pan, like an aluminum pan, disposable aluminum pan on that deflector plate under the bird. And so you do the deflector plate, the aluminum pan, the rack, and then the bird. And so all your drippings will still get down there. You can do a similar thing with like the Oklahoma Joe. There's a couple of levels of racks in there. Um, but definitely remember that even if you're doing the rotisserie, you know, you can still stick a pan up there. So don't, don't just because you're outside and you're not in the oven, don't neglect those turkey drippings because that's what makes makes killer gravy. And if you have multiple of them and you want one to be for gravy, you could also set your vegetables underneath one and just yeah. let it dip into it. Yeah, uh, for sure. That's uh, one of our family that's favorites. Point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because you would get, you get a lot of drippings over the course of that long of a cook with that big of a, of a, of a, a piece of meat with as much going on. We have skin, you have fat, you have all this stuff to create drippings. Uh, that's yeah. a great point. Well, if you don't know uh, where to start with uh, with turkey, uh, I know that Christy on her website, uh, girlscangrill.com, has a ton of recipes, I'm assuming, uh, when it comes to turkey. Uh, I, do. I know overthefirecooking.com, I have a couple of recipes, especially drumsticks. I love doing turkey drumsticks. Um, so you can find those as well. Uh, and Jonathan, we need to get you a website. We need to get you <laughs> Uh, yeah, for sure. Check his yeah, Instagram. That, yeah, that for sure. Nice. Check your Instagram though. Cause yeah, you've got, you've got sure. some amazing stuff out there. Yeah. And of course, you know, all the sides, you can do all those outdoors. We touched on that in the last episode. So be sure to go listen to that episode if you haven't, cause we touched on a lot of different side items. Um, again, everything that can be done over open fire, especially if you've got some cast iron skillets. Um, you know, one of my favorites is green bean casserole and, and I make it outdoors as well, where I just cook up my green beans. And then in the end, I uh, saute some mushrooms and make my own cream of mushroom sauce with just adding some cream and some spices and um, sometimes a little flour to make a roux and then throw those cooked green beans back inside. And yeah, it's I'm getting so hungry and ready for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm so excited. Awesome. It's so close. Yes. It's right around the corner. And like I said, when this podcast, if you're listening to this podcast, it dropped on Friday before Thanksgiving. So you only got a couple days to go. Um, so let us know how your Thanksgiving cooks go. Hit us up, all of us up on Instagram. Um, as you are cooking, tag us. We'd love to see what you're doing with turkeys. Um, the last thing that I have uh, is that Brio, my company here, is doing a pretty big Black Friday blowout. So if you are interested in any of our products and the products that Derek and Christy are cooking with Live Fire, that come from Brio. We'll be doing a site-wide sale starting Wednesday at noon. So the day before Thanksgiving, you can get a jump on it. And that way your actual Black Friday craziness doesn't have to be distracted by being on Brio's website. So uh, we're starting at noon before Thanksgiving and we'd love to have you join the club. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely, I, you know, you've got the 19, you've got the 24. I've cooked on them both. I really love the 24 because um, you can just feed a bigger crowd. But if, if you're, if you just have a couple people to feed, the 19 is awesome too. So very cool. And did you guys see what Sasquatch did with his Brio recently? Yeah, awesome. I did. He just texted <laughs> oh me. Gosh, <laughs> he made like this smokehouse with the Brio inside and was hanging ribs from that it. Oh awesome. yeah, it was, it was awesome. One of, one of our past guests he, on the show. He went all out. <laughs> Yeah, he went all out. I'll have to put that on uh, our story or somewhere. So hopefully he posts about it soon because it's it's on it's his Instagram stories. Yeah, yeah, that's where I oh, saw it. it? Okay, yeah, sweet. it's really awesome. Yeah, sweet. Well, cool. 
Any final thoughts from either of you uh, folks before we sign off? I just want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for enjoying this ride with us. Um, we hope you have a wonderful you know, dinner with your friends and family. We hope there's a little bit of live fire involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, we look forward to continuing to share the love of live fire cooking with you. And we're going to get you ready for the Christmas and uh, Hanukkah holidays as well. So stay tuned. Yeah, heck yeah. And uh, same goes for me. Uh, enjoy uh, being with your family and your friends, uh, sitting around that dinner table, hopefully cooking something over live fire. Uh, but if you're in a place where you can't, uh, then, you know, everything is perfect anyway. So just being with your family is more than enough. Uh, so anyway, yeah, thank you for, uh, participating in this, uh, fun little journey that we've been having. Sweet. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have an amazing Thanksgiving, and we will see you next time.